Second breath is your second. It's uh, the other one. The reason why I like it is because the Ren There's no bit of evil. They understand. Twenty-five years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Deep Dive with Twenty-Five. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Deep Dive with 25. This is, of course, episode four, uh, Kindred of the East, the main book, uh, where me and DJ are kind of chugging along here, giving you a, a more in-depth look at a often confused and misunderstood book, as we've said. And so far, it's been pretty cool. What do you think, DJ? It's been fantastic. I love talking about this game. Uh, this game is uh, really, it's a lot of fun to go through. For us, both just discussing and seeing where the differences lie, it's also a lot of fun in the simple fact that we understand where this book's coming from. And what I mean by that, um, it's hard for an author to write about a book that can grab your interest and be a discussion piece going forward. And when you're doing it for an audience that's already used to vampire or you're already used to werewolf, how do you make that difference? And it seems to me they jump through hoops to make this work. Uh, there's a lot of content to make that unique and interesting so far. I mean, uh, to just to re- rehash real quick, we learned what a Quaijin is. We learned what a Cathayan is. We learned their properties make them not, not exactly... Uh, a werewolf, not exactly a, or a shifter for that matter at all, but still not a vampire exactly, and not quite a wraith. I mean, they're like somewhere in the middle, a nebulous entity in a way, except very specific when you look at it from their cultural perspective, given them in the world of darkness. That makes them pretty cool, in my opinion. Um, what do you think so far? I think the the versatility in terms of being able to play a character like this um moves you outside of a narrow box of trying to think just in the mind of a vampire. It gives you so many options to kind of work with a region to make it your own. And I think uh, it, it it opens up that much more of a background story for the type of vampire you want to be, quote-unquote. Quajin in this case. I, that's well said. The, uh, the point here, though, we're now getting into the politics, right? Or, or sort of like the end-round explanation of the politics, because... I don't know, I still feel that when you get to these, what drives them, what laws direct them into doing what they do, that's where you start getting them refined, where, where the question starts seeing individual differences. And to this end, we talk about, for instance, the great principle. And the great principle is, uh, it says it constitutes an ancient code of behavior for all Kwaijin. It's the single most important teaching that the Cathayan actually learns in their society. But DJ, what is the great principle? The great principle mechanically would be to question what the traditions are to Western kindred. Um, the difference in, in terms of that, though, is that Western kindred pretty much look at the traditions more along the lines of laws, whereas Quajin look at the great principle or the fivefold way, as they call it, as fundamentals to their existence. Um, this is going to be very important because when you take a look at the laws, laws could be broken. And for the most part, laws could be um, abused in a specific way. Not to say that these aren't either, but when everyone follows the same rule to such a degree, that's when you start seeing a difference. Um, for example, it starts talking about how this came to be, and this is actually a really good point of conversation, is it comes up with the, the grained Arat uh, Shue, who was one of the original Quajin who had fallen from grace, and along the way he started coming across his codification. Can you do me a favor and say his name again? The title? Sure. Sh- Shue. Shue. I'm sorry. For everybody else, it's uh, the Grand Arhat Zoo is what I thought it was. And it's X-U-E. I thought it forever. <laughs> I even took my notes on it. Uh, and I'm like going, man, I just, I'm terrible at it. But uh, please continue. No worries. And so what ends up happening is uh, he starts codifying and starts looking for a way to kind of come into the existence. What 
generates and or um, solidifies the purpose of the Quajin. Because we've always talked about it in, in the previous podcast of like, they have a purpose, they have a purpose. Well, here are the purposes get codified. And what makes it interesting is it starts going down the path of parables. A lot of allegories being used here, folks. It talks about how Shue on the uh, ascension to the rank of Bodhisattva um, removed himself from the world, came back for a moment, and during his travels, he had come across a foreigner, a wanderer from the West, who also sought a way out of his damned existence. I'm just reading it verbatim because it's, it's too good not to. The right. stranger who called himself Zaolat let himself be instructed by Shue, and in the teachings of inner harmony and peace, he eagerly absorbed. But Zaolat proved to be imperfect in the eyes of heaven. He fell out of favor and was banished from Shua's company, whereas he returned to the West. I, I think that's cool, right? Because I, I was hinting at the fact that it looks like, you know, he came here seeking the gold, the spiritual way out of everything, and didn't come back with the brass ring. In fact, I guess she can't make all them bad decisions about, uh, about children and uh, not have to owe up to someone. And in this case, apparently heaven. And it's like, nah, denied. Um, what, what's interesting about this is you mentioned uh, Baristava. Is uh is what uh, Zhue is, but on here it also says he's the only one Kwai, or the rather the first one, uh Kwai Jin, excuse me, uh to ascend to actually hit what would be the equivalent of Golconda. But for them, it's it's almost like a, an ascension, isn't it? It's like they're they hit it and they're gone. They're they're done here and they they get the promised land as it is, and that is something. I don't know. That's that's grand. It's like it's it's weird when it says, nope, not only did someone hit it, we're, we're in a society striving to do that. That's the point. And this cat's the one that came up with the whole um, grand, the great principle, the ways of being, because this is what he followed to get to where he is. Right. And um, sort of like a uh, raising all ships instead of just your own. No, most definitely. And that's exactly the reason why you come back. And that's why uh, Bodhisattvas who you know, Kui Jin, who make it that far, have a reason uh, to be around. It's to raise everyone else up in that order as well. So what we're going to do here is I'm just going to, we're going to tag team this. I'm going to talk about one of them. We're going to go through them real quick because I think we get used to traditions, but I love the differences of them. Um, so for right here, it starts off with, uh, we're talking about the great principles again, folks. And uh, we're going with the, uh, the way of origin. DJ, what is that? The way of origin is the difference between, uh, fundamentally it comes down to what's the difference between a Quajin and, uh, kin- and the, your basic ass vampire, your kindred. The difference is they have a shared um, origin story. Much in the same way that Westerners believe that they come from Cain, these, these folks come from the heavens. They know they come from the heavens, and they also understand that because they come from the heavens, this drives their purpose. And then so too, just to make sure we got that sound, Remember from where, you, where you're from so you don't ever forget what you're supposed to do is basically what that is in the layman's term. And uh, makes sense, right? Um, the, the way of lineage, though. The way of lineage is something that Western kindred still struggle to, and many a war have been fought. In fact, sects have been created because of it, which is you have respect for your elder and your ancestors. Um, what came before you is there for a reason. And especially when you're taking a look at what we had spoken to about before, your mandarins, your ancestors. They are there because they have power and have proven it over and over again. Um, the difference, though, is that you don't hear too much about the abuse of the youthful generation uh, by comparison, or at least it's not presented at this moment in time. And so this is why the way of lineage is strong. And it keeps your youngsters in check and lets you know that so long as you continue down the path, there is a promise at the end of it, or at least you, you do your chops, you'll get your due. Truth. The uh, 
important thing here is that it kind of showcases the shame Westerners should have when they see this, right? It's uh, it's also what I think why the Kwajin were really not liked. When you get to the way of lineage, they you know respecting your elders. What is that to an immortal? Well, what it is is that the people who live to be that old live to be that old, and so whatever mistakes they went through is an opportunity for you coming up to improve upon or do better. That's still there. And it's if you're not wise enough to get that, that's where you start having, well, the conflicts and mistakes that are ripe with it, right? That's why the Sabbat rail against uh, the alleged elders of the Camarilla, the elders of the Camarilla think less of the Anarchs. The Anarchs think they know better than everybody else. The way is freedom. And, and really, it's chaos. It's just a misunderstanding of what your, what your purpose is, right? I kind of feel that if Western kindred had the way of origin and the way of lineage is a tradition added that fixes them. It fixes them completely, right? Remember why you're truly here, and then remember that those who are immortal and came before you can help live a better life. It's an eye-opening experience for me. Um, but the third principle here, we got the, the way of integrity. So with the way of integrity, a kindred's word is their bond. This idea is so abstract when it actually gets put to use because you have to understand much in a lot of Eastern culture that we're exposed to, there's that idea of face, composure, being able to handle certain things um, with such etiquette um, that would not otherwise be seen elsewhere, or at least not to like a highbrow level. Where it becomes an abstract idea is because integrity is only what you make it to be. So a lot of times, Kui Jin are taught not to speak in absolute truths because you don't want to break your bond. So this is also a political maneuver because Bob could be like, well, DJ, are we going to have dinner today? Bob's, is it in the cards? <laughs> It'll just be a back and forth. And that's just a very small tete-a-tete, so to speak. But then this is also how you could see how duplicitous uh, a Quajin could potentially be, especially when speaking to a Westerner um, or to each other. Also, like, and they're not a... breaking the law. Please continue. No, I was about to say, and they're not breaking their own law. They're keeping to, to that. It, it makes them sharper and lets them uh, conduct business in a very, very interesting way. Go ahead, Bob. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. What it, what it is that I was uh, looking at this, I'm, I'm always chuckling to when I think of integrity here, because it's talking about the, how the behavior of one affects the entire community. And people often see this as a lofty goal for it. And I was like, but at the same time, it's not to mention, we talked about their politics being cutthroat. They're definitely there. However, give your word, you're expected up to uphold your word. The trick is, is giving it. Right, getting someone to do that, and trust in all and th- all thought and word really comes down to if you said you're going to do it, you're going to do it, and by us relying on you, we can. And if you remember how they break up, um, basically they they don't have a coterie, right? We're mentioning the courts are different, and each court can be in a segmented area of a region. And so, if your court's known to do X, Y, or Z, you're expected because of this way of integrity to do just that, despite what other misgivings you have. What you stand for is who you are. This isn't unknown to Western kindred at all. This is something, or even European kindred, this has definitely uh, been in their existence, right? They have uh, codes of honor um, where word is supposed to mean something. However, lawlessness is lawlessness. And I get how this can be misconstrued because there is some lost sight of what uh, the integrity would be, especially with the the Western kindred. But I think here is where it's sort of like uh, almost an elitist viewpoint. Remember how we highlighted the Kwai Jin have a built-in elitist mentality? Oh, definitely. And uh, that's uh, it's interesting how it comes to us. It's like, oh, we're awesome. We're good. Look at what we do for the community. Yeah, just don't look behind our door. <laughs> as to what's going on. Remember, then demons 
where they came from. Um, the way of obligation, though. The way of obligation is based off of a Wu who, or rather, during the early times when this principle came into effect, you had to codify everything together. The way of obligation, what it does is exactly that. It came up by the form of a Wu kind of thinking of how to go ahead and make this happen. What it means. There's actually five obligations under this one principle alone. <laughs> right? Uh, so to go through them, um, they kind of break them down. The obligation of power, and that's between the Quajin and the court themselves. What it is to respect where you currently are and who holds the power and, and just being very, very well aware of and acknowledging what that is. The obligation of legacy, which is the, 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 um, the interaction between your elders and those of the, the youth, um, which we had mentioned before. The obligation of knowledge. Um, the pact between your mentor and your student. Once again, this is a mentor and student, and this is different than elder and younger. You could have someone who's a prodigy just teach you anything, and they're humble enough, and I use that in air quotes as well, to at least understand that knowledge could be gotten from anywhere else, and someone might be doing it better than you. And they codify it because that means you could start leaning on others if necessary. There's the obligation to the court, which is the obligation between a Kui Jin and different dharmas or courts. This is kind of like diplomacy here. You might not see eye to eye, but it's at least good to know when you stand in front of another how to be able to comport yourself, um, whether coming in from a different location or because you just shared different ideologies. And lastly, there is the obligation of the world. This one, I think, has the heaviest weight because this is telling you that this is the obligation between Quajin and the rest of the world, which include mortals, your other supernaturals, your shens, and also the dragon tracks that are associated with the world that you live in. I actually enjoy that a lot. This is uh, saying that they, they have to consider mortals in all things. They represent, or they're not, not just represent, they understand intimately uh, the purpose of them. And the dragon tracks, I believe, are related to that as well. Uh, when it comes to the emotional upkeep or the, the energy upkeep, uh, mortals have a place, bottom line. And the obligation of the world, that seeing that there as part of it, kind of makes sense why you don't hear about people getting butchered in the streets for, for meat. Or some weird, ridiculous blade movie notion of a factory of blood being used to get to harvest chi or do something like that. <laughs> Although you might have a thousand, one of the thousand hells that does that, certainly not the way it would be done on up top, so to speak. And uh, last but not least, uh, the way of propriety. The way of propriety is the, uh, the way of no shortcut, shortcuts. It is very specific when it comes to that. And why? It's because... Quajin are very steeped into the rituals, ceremonies. Um, as we were talking about being respectful towards the dead, going through those particular rituals, they didn't want to end up the way that they were, and so they tried to acknowledge it as much as possible. What this also means is because they're not taking shortcuts, um, there's a trial there. There are lessons to be learned from this particular ordeal. And I think this is probably the glue of why um, you see them as patient or as cunning as they tend to be, because they do know everything has a time and a place to go ahead and do so. And this pairs up very well with the way of obligations. I rather enjoy this. This is that pursuit of perfection for, for perfection's sake. I.e., um, we may not have it perfect, but we will do it the right way because that is the way to get it done. It's, it's as simple as that. It's a purification of thought. And as it says here, it's that they have one true nature, right? Within the universe. Everything does. Every act, every item, every person, they have one purpose that they were put here to do. And because of that, whatever that purpose is, when you find it, you should seek it, or if you know it, you should perform it. And that's why it's so intimate and personal 
uh, to them that they showcase this and all that they do. This is why you can have somebody take pride in being the best mail deli- the best Uber Eats driver that ever was. If that's your purpose, DJ, you're going to be the best one there ever ever existed, right? That's that's your calling. Yep. And where it seems silly, it shouldn't. If everything is based on a hierarchy of heaven and hell mandate, and everything was made for a purpose, it's a place for everything, everything in its place. And coming from that society, you accept what it is. The problem here is that I think for us, the romantics and whatnot, the idealists, this, this, is a, this is a game of hell. If you're an idealist and you're hearing this, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm supposed to fit neatly where I'm told I'm supposed to be, and that's where I stay. Yeah. That could be very hard to deal with, and you know, you're obligated to do it, you're supposed to do it, that's what you're there to do. Does that mean no Kwaijin rebels? I, if you're hearing this, you, you know the system better than that. You know the game world of darkness better than that. Naturally, there's a bunch of Kwaijin that don't obey this, right? Or have yet to learn it. But remember, this is what the Arhat was talking about. How he achieved his uh, state of perfection and ascended and why Zalat failed is because if you cannot follow these, uh, the great principle, you know, you don't accept your place in the world or in existence. This is the fundamental aspect of you falling out of it and why you cannot hit that lofty goal, right? You have to understand it to do it. Love it or hate it, it simply is. And that's, uh, that in itself makes the game super unique and, and one worth having. Who knows what your principle could be? And I guess that makes character creation all the more worthwhile. But to that end, DJ, and I think you have to look like someone who's about to speak. What, <laughs> what you got? No, I was about to go ahead and, and say that this is uh, the way the setting is also proposed is you are now in the fifth age. You're very close to the sixth age being like the demon king's going to sit on that throne pretty soon, which also means that this is where a lot of the strife is going to come from. Of course, as Bob was mentioning, there's there's going to be some level of treachery kind of happening in there, some sort of duplicity. Um, how that plays out is what creates the great drama of it. So it's not that there's a certain super uber level of superiority, but just be aware that, you know, while these are the grounds, and this also is what causes stress and causes some of the Kuei Jin to turn over to the Yama Kings. Why go under this structure that causes so much stress to seek perfection when you could just be as wanton as you want and serve underneath a, a better devil, so to speak? And we're going to sh- shed some further light on it to um, kind of jump. It's not jumping ahead, really. Um, there's just chapters, portions that come in here that, that define further the yin and yang that go really deep into their personal philosophical beliefs of what their origins could be. Um, I feel though there's more insight into talking about relevance in terms of the dharmas themselves. Now the, the dharmas are interesting because these are the individual patterns of thought. Would you say DJ help me understand what you see when, when I read this book, it took Dharma as being philosophy of life for the question that came out that bears certain characteristics that are the same. But that would be short-sighted, would it not? It would. Uh, and the reason why is because the dharmas are... are I don't want to say they are better than paths in, in particular, because it, it's not a way of keeping... Whereas a path is made in order for you to be able to sustain yourself and keep yourself away from the beast, a dharma is made for you to be able to ascend. Okay. Think so about I, that. Right? Because, like... I mean, to say it in this sense, you have these structures in, in different paths to not fall to the beast, whereas a dharma is made for you to go up. So you're not trying to hold yourself back. You're trying to push yourself forward. That's where it gets a little bit different on that. Okay. So a dharma is not a philosophy. 
not solely a philosophy. This isn't a club you join, right? This is a this is a, a destiny, right? If if you were made for a purpose and a place for it, according to the great principle, according to propriety, then a dharma is what you are, and therefore the behavior you have to follow to to ascend to to gain further enlightenment, and that's the that's the point. And when I, when I see that every time, I find it to be refreshing, because when you play a a typical kindred. You're on humanity where you start, and then you might be on a path later on. And a lot of people view that as cool, you guess, and whatever. And there's sort of a, you have to make up your own virtues and vices, that sort of thing, for how you live your own version of humanity. Because my way of living is definitely uh, not going to be what a Catholic priest chooses to live by, even though we're both on humanity. Mm. See what I'm saying? It's it's different. But here, it's like, there's no confusion for for them. It's like when you're, uh, well, for them, for uh, Kindred of the East. When a question comes out and they're done with their process and their mentor brings them out, the mentor is studying their, their virtues. They're studying what, uh, what gets them going, what they enjoy for their vices, their uh, way of being, uh, what sort of training they gravitate to. And, and most importantly, um, do they share a similar weakness? This is not finding a blood type. It's, it's a whole way of being and thinking that someone would have and what dharma they closely fall into. Now that seems to be more of what it is. Am I am I still correct here, DJ? So far, you're on the right track, sir. All right. Well, then we're going to crack this open, and um, I'm going to give you the card carrying understanding of how I was told Kindred of the East, when a lot of people might have been sold on what this is. So we'll we start with the How of the Devil Tiger, or what I was told, Brujas with Katanas. Is that what this Dharma is? Oh no. I'm pausing, folks. You don't see me. I I nearly had a stroke. I almost pulled off a Sanford Sons like that's a big one, Elizabeth. I'll come and see you. <laughs> well, stay alive. Stay alive. You have to enlighten me, and thus us. What are we? What are we talking about? The howl of the devil tiger. The howl of the devil tiger. So, a couple of things I will definitely let you know off the bat is, as was mentioned before, every dharma kind of follows a specific type of virtue, and they all have a weakness of sorts. Um, the virtue that's being followed here is your po. Po, but wait, isn't that bad? Aren't you fighting against your Poe? Isn't that the reason why you might lose out on your character? Isn't that the beast? As we mentioned before, the Poe is, is not like your beast. Your Poe is a lot more clever, and your Poe is part of you, and it's part of instinct. Can it drag you down? Of course. You know, too much of, of a good thing might be a bad thing, right? However, not so much for the devil tigers. And the reason why is because they could ride the Poe. What do you mean by that? Is it similar to riding the beast? More controlled. There's a reason behind it. You indulge in those particular vices to be able to understand and gain um, insights from them. You're not holding yourself back. You're not feeling regret for the actions that you've done. This almost sounds like the road of sin to a certain degree, wouldn't you say, Bob? I would. I would. I very much would say that, especially when you look at the tenants. But most importantly, here's where it doesn't seem like the road of sin. And that's when they talk about the fact that uh, when... When you die, when they become Chime and they awaken in hell, um, so before Chime, I should say, when they're they're being tormented, uh, they appreciate that pain and that howl and that agony that they come from and see it almost as like a weapon. Like it becomes a part of them. It's a joy and a fine-tuned edge that gives them a sense of purpose almost. And that's that's hard, right? It's like a a weird mantra of hope if there if there is pain there, because to them it cleanses who they were that made them end up where they're at. That's the part that is the hardest for me personally to get down. It's like a weird uh, sadomasochism 
that they go through. We, we suffer and, and will inflict agony accordingly because we understand pain and we understand the teaching and lessons of it. So I may walk around as the epitome of evil, but I have experienced it myself. Right. So I went through the depth of it, but I don't have to show it anymore. Instead, I could see it in others and I may inflict it on others so that they can have the lessons I did so that the pain can cleanse them of their evil. And uh, perhaps maybe that's the route I take. Clearly, it's not the only one, right? I like to jump to the exact, you know, the tenants real quick. Um, Ride the demon. Do not let it ride you. That's still very similar to a Camarilla mindset or a humanity mindset, right? Yet here you would lose sight of it. They're not referring to your beast, right? They're not referring to that. When they say demon here, DJ, though, what are they referring to? This could be interpreted in many different ways, if only because of how clever the Quajin are. It could make a reference to your Pope. It could also make a reference to actual demons. Why? Because you are part spirit as well. And this also refers to Yama Kings. This also refers to your enemies. And so looking at it that way, it's also control of yourself versus the opposing forces, whether it be yourself or whether it be the demons on the outside. Well said. Um, Glory in the fires of the flesh and the passions of the soul. Now, my interpretation of this when I when I read it, uh, glory in the fires of the flesh means the pain that you may suffer, right, is, is to, to be glorified. It's, it's great that you went through it because the lessons it teaches you and the passions of the soul that you should pursue the passions you feel. It should be something you go through. Do you see it differently? No, that sounds about right. Okay. We're going to play this little tete-a-tete here, folks, and go back um, or go back and forth here. It says, teach others to live joyfully through pain. I feel this is exactly what we were talking about. That, we uh, that if I see someone and uh, I feel they need a lesson, it's, it's going to hurt. But it's teaching you to be better. Hence the joyfully portion. If you're living a better life, you, you don't need to be tormented. But I'm willing to bet these guys are the type of people to always find that you have something you can learn, unfortunately for you. Throw there's a lot of pain in this world. There's so much pain in this world. A of course there's pain. much to learn. <laughs> uh, but throw fear into the flames and encourage others to do likewise. That's just sort of like throw it, you know, like, care, is it careless living or what, what are they saying here? It means face. It's almost too literal to the point where it literally says that throw away your weakness so that you might be able to get stronger from it. If you didn't know how it was solidified before, this line specifically speaks about it. And what it does is I could show you that if I could put my hand in the fire and come out the other side, then you should be able to do the same. And when you're able to go ahead and do the same, you can teach others to do so. Great. Now we've just ascended past that point. What's the next challenge? Face your fear. I like it. Do not hesitate. Act. I sincerely believe in this as a, as a personal mantra. I feel that when you have, like, if you follow what they're talking about, they're basically telling you um, the path to achieve something is to accept the fact that you're going to fail. You're going to, but every every failure is but an opportunity to be a lesson. And every lesson is wisdom gained because you earned it. The only way you do that is to throw fear into the flames and ignore the fact that you could fail and focus on how you will succeed. If you believe you succeed, you will succeed more often than not. And when you don't, you see the wisdom that you gained from it to succeed going forward. And you do that by not hesitating. Always act. This does not mean a mindless pursuit that everything the world is black and white and instantaneous and you never plan. What it is, is that when you do plan and it's time to show pony, it's time to show up and win the race, you just win. 
You just go and do what you were here to do. You know, pass or fail, leave it on the floor sort of thing. Um, do you see this as different, DJ? No. Uh, if anything at all, the one lesson you don't learn is the one you never took. Seek out the brightest embers and feed them until they become bonfires. Obviously, this is a student reference. You know, or, or to anyone, not just devil tigers, but if you see anybody who can learn or can benefit from your teaching and they're willing to learn, you should teach them all you can. You know, help them do it. If uh, everyone is wiser for your passing, the better for you, the better for them, and thus the better for the community. And we're back to the great principle, which I enjoy seeing that. This ties back to how all Kwaizhen should be. Meditate upon the flash of passion, the dazzle of its afterglow, and the darkness that follows. We're in the weeds here, right? Here's meditate upon the flash of passion. All right. Be calm about passion. I don't. Bob does not compute. This is right. Passion is a driving force. It's a felt thing. It's it's from the heart. It's a source of all, but it's telling you to slow down, meditate upon it. Right. But yet the dazzle of its afterglow, like you felt it. It was great. It was there and it's gone. Take a moment to think about it and appreciate it was being there. And then the darkness that follows. In other words, it's gone. What? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little. Here's a good example. So, a good example is you find the perfect lover and you want to embrace them. You spend the night, you do whatever happens between you and your partner, and you feed off of them and you drain them to the point of non existence anymore. You lived that passion because it was there for you to be able to do so. Now that the action is done, you meditate upon what, what you gained from it because you should gain something from it. Because if you don't, then it was a mindless act. And then in the darkness, understand that that moment may never come again and be happy that it doesn't, and also accept that it doesn't. All right, That's so a good analogy there. It is. So what you're saying is, is that if I'm understanding it anyway, what you're saying is that once you get to this level seven, this, this higher edict, tenant, it's saying that we're done with learning to act immediately, right? To not, no hesitation. We're done with that alone. Now it's talking about once you've done that, meditate on what you've done. You were there that was passionate and meant something. Enjoy it further by understanding its place, but then how to walk away from it. It was there. It happened. It was wondrous. Stand up. Move on. Interesting. Finally, be cultured in your passions and magnificent in your evil. Any imbecile can act like a madman. It takes true wisdom to become a devil. And here's where we're reminded this is not the good guy group. Right? We're not striving to be this. Uh, hero be cultured in your passions and magnificent in your evil uh cultured meaning never settle for the simplistic you know never settle for the for the base understanding of saying okay i've had you know this certain type of tea i don't need any others because this is the best one well how can you make that statement if you did not refine your search if you did not seek the very best of teas i'm doing this to not be graphic there's a better analogy but this is the one you're getting because it's being recorded so that's that's what i'm going with <laughs> And magnificent in your evil. Now, when we get here, and we can open up the door for this a little bit. Um, go beyond the twirling mustache villain. Right? Magnificent in your evil. You can do far more dark, damaging things as a devil when you choose to focus on a person and give them what they want. Right? We know one principle. If you're a true villain, you know that when you give everyone everything they've ever asked for and everything they ever need and you take care of them, Boredom 
idle hands will drive them to do things you couldn't force them to do. They will find evil on their own. When you see what they gravitate to, that's when you can start applying your trade and seeing what it is. But a good devil can stand back and do nothing and watch somebody come to ruin just by whispering a few choice words. Words of encouragement, a pat on the back, no chastisement, really no guidance other than to say, do as you feel. And it'll all make sense. What do you think, DJ? I also think that some of the words that are being used here, um, you said it right when you were like, this is not mustache twirling. In fact, to be to be honest as well, these, these demons exist for a reason. And I feel specifically with this line, this is a lot of Western words that might be taken the wrong way. Yes, you are a devil in the sense of you are your own adversary to be able to create the right environment for you to produce an act that would otherwise seem atrocious but creates wisdom strength insight from that moment itself that's where i think some people might take it the wrong way do not believe as i was mentioning earlier this is not a it's not an agalus to bruja it's not you being you know a bali or, or something you think is like nefarious it's not in any way shape or form that this is a controlled burn this is you writing a, a, a specific type of anguish uh to enjoy it to to live it to to breathe it and then release it back into the world with with a purpose behind it not just because you want to twirl your mustache upon it because that's the reason why you become cultured in that passion if you're gonna drink your tea if you're gonna go through a ceremony if it's going to be the the stage of the vampires as they were in uh, i forgot it in um an interview with the vampire that huge stage of, of performance piece or even if you ended up becoming a serial killer or or something else it's nuanced and you're doing it because there is something behind it. I think that's where some folks might get lost, especially when they're taking a look at the, the Howl of the Double Tigers. And to understand this maybe a bit better, you look at their weakness to see exactly what they're talking about. It says that even the wisest Devil Tigers seem impulsive, a bit too quick to provoke a scream. The younger ones are clumsy tempters or raging killers, and their elders aren't much better. Subtlety is not the Dharma's strong point. In the dawning of the Sixth Age, Devil Tigers stand ready to claim the world and are none too humble about that privilege. In other words, they're ready. They know they're demons, and they know their time is coming. And they know they understand pain. Better than any other dharma. And to them, better than any other being. They've embraced that as their place in the universe, and in the heavens. So, because of that, this makes them quite dangerous. And to the outside uh, perspective, a bit barbaric, most likely. And uh, that's the one, one dharma, right, of complexity that we can get into. But then we roll on through and we see that there's the way of the resplendent crane, other than a beautiful name. Um, DJ, what's the resplendent crane about? Well, the resplendent crane, uh, crane, rather, they espouse the virtue of the Hun. Hun is the logical portion of your existence. It is the rational side of you. Um, what makes them interesting is the fact that there is law. And if everything has to exist, it exists for a reason. And so long as law does exist then we know exactly what path we should be following, much in the same way the Fivefold Way has existed to cultivate younger um, Kui Jin into becoming useful, like useful members of the society. So then, because that is a thing, then surely by able to follow law and the rationale that follows behind it will lead you towards uh, the path itself to um, achieving the, the rank of Bodhisattva or more. Now, things to note about these guys and what you said. They, these people believe that when they went to Yami, it was Going to Yami wasn't enough for Kwai Jin. That was not enough penance in their belief. 
that they must bend things straight, i.e. the things that were broken must be mended. And that's, you know, to follow the straight and narrow path is what they believe you're supposed to do now. But that's all things. In this, this judgment makes them quite shrewd, rather dangerous in my opinion. Um, they also claim that the great Arhat, with the, with the grand principle, knew of this need, citing further that pride had slapped the face of heaven and heaven had responded. And that's why there is a thousand hells and they, they were in it and whatnot. The unworthy, they, he noted, had not been destroyed, but were left to ponder their curse. Now, this is where I'm like, hmm, if, you, if you're, they're aware of this, to ponder the curse was something to be done. Western kindred, right? There's that too. And maybe we're all sitting in the same soup. Preacher wise, and it's when we're here to, to, I don't know, maybe lament, maybe be be healed, who knows? Um, but they ain't got time for that. A resplendent claim basically seems to be the people who are going to judge you and kind of force you back into the way things were meant to be. Is this our hero Dharma, DJ? No, this is this is once again not your not your hero Dharma, not your enemy Dharma. Mm. This is you know what this is? This is your judge dread. This is the well, it's fun to watch that movie and see, like, this guy has no mercy for anyone. Think of how scary it is to know there is no mercy or way out when the Judge Dredd comes calling. Judge, jury, executioner. It's it's exactly that. Now, I'm going to throw this up. We're just going to roll through them again. We got their tenants again. Follow the Eight Lotus Path. Man, what's the Eight Lotus Path? The Eight Lotus Path is a collection of Analects and Cohens that give a formula for salvation. Um to go into them, I guess we should we should because it would be interesting, of course, is the first lotus offers the recognition of hope. The second lotus demands virtuous existence. The third lotus involves nurture, rewards for virtue, correction for recklessness. The fourth calls for the purgation of the wicked. The fifth encourages instruction. The sixth demands law. The seventh lotus is the mortal law, which gives way to harmony. Notice how they mentioned mortal law there, folks. We'll get to that in a second. Oh yeah. The seventh lotus, the mortal law gives way to the harmony. And the eighth lotus, once again, transcends the living world and unites it with the spirit. Upon meditating the eight lotus path, the crane must discern, uh, must discern of what it must be done. So this is hardcore. Off the bat, we have eight more laws that you have to follow. They like laws so much, they come out of hell looking for eight more to follow. Like we, we figured this out. And these are some big, beefy laws, right? Um, we're talking about uh, the the one of hope. Okay, that's a good Lotus one. Uh, the recognition of hope, though, that's the key. It's not mm. that they're being hopeful. They recognize that hope is a thing. Also, it just mentions you offer the recognition of hope. It doesn't mean that you're a good guy because the recognition of hope might also be just to kidnap someone's child and make that person witness that their child might be within their reach so that there's enough to fight for. Exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's, it's so, it's so evil that it's not, I can't even, I don't even want to call it evil because some people are like, what's so wrong with that, Bob? I think it's very wrong to hold a child to force the parents to do better. Um, however, let's, let's not stop there. So let's, let's say we got that. So they demand a virtuous existence. Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm the, I, I gotta, you recognize that I got hope and that I would do something for this child. But now you demand that I live a virtuous existence or else. Okay. So it's not necessarily what they follow alone. It's also what someone else is going to follow, or they may make someone follow. Yeah, it does say that they do follow mm -hmm. this to some degree. But what, what, is, what do they consider virtuous? And then that's why I liked at the end of this, how you said it, it's um, a crane discerns what must be done. Right? They are the ones who determine what the action is. 
And it's because they decided it. No one told them they could. It's because they decided it. Nope. Right? That's what's messed (laughs) up. Uh, Rewards for virtue, though. Correction for recklessness. Do you get how that works? I'll reward you for being a good person, DJ, but I will correct you for bad behavior. Notice not punish, but it's punish. Let's be Western about it for a minute. And they're talking straight punishment coming for a lesson, right? Yep. Um, now, we got purgation of the wicked. We get that. Get, wicked will be dealt with. Um, but again, by whose, whose ruler are we judging the wicked? Now, we encourage to instruct people while the six demands law. Man, this is confusing. Some mortal law as well. Are you telling me, DJ? We're back to this. I got to follow the mortal law because it leads to our harmonious existence. But then I got to, what am I, a cop for cops? Am I the supernatural police sent from heaven to help the police who are here make certain that the policies that we agreed upon are now enforced? Bob, there's balance in all things. And if we don't follow, if we even skip, remember, there is the, the obligation proprietary. There are no shortcuts. So if this is the building, if this is the building block, we got to we got to follow the building block all the way from the bottom up. Hard mode. That's what we're calling this hard mode, right? Uh, it's gold. But that's just the first tenant. Second tenant is followed the fivefold way. and that the fivefold way has to be it's exactly as we had spoken about the the laws that were given to every single quajin to kind of integrate themselves with what you westerners would call traditions exactly and it's weird because it's the great principle right and they listed as number two so that eight lotus path is driven into their head before talking about how all quajin can be all right fair enough so pretty hardcore maybe a different way that order means something when you lose control, make amends. The demon guides you, but does not own you. All right. This is a ride the wave, isn't it? Isn't that what this is about to? It, uh, not so much because at least they're penniful for their actions because they have to be. They are very well aware that they're, it's, it's, it's a matter of saying my bad instead of getting away with it going like, I don't know what just happened. Uh, I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> The other difference is, once again, here's what we talk about. The Poe isn't, it, the Poe is part of you, hence why it guides you, it does not own you. So, so long as you're aware of it, you heed the necessary actions. The same way Bob, Bob might just tell me, hey, DJ, you want to walk into the middle of the street? That sounds like a great idea, Bob. Right. <laughs> whose, fault, whose fault is that that I followed that instruction, right? But Bob might also be like, hey, there's three people coming in dark in your way. You might want to cross the street. And I'll be like, you know, Bob, that's a great idea. Once again, instinct versus rational action. So, all right, when injustice or corruption appears, correct it to the best of your ability. I dig it. Injustice or corruption, whether, uh, well, anybody's trying to do you in, I guess, and it's a bad thing, or you're trying to corrupt you, they should be immediately corrected, right? We jump in as the superheroes and we, we make that distinction. The, the, to use, and this is where the way of integrity kind of works in, because they said correct, you could take any measure to correct a wrong. Oh, <laughs> that's. Can you help me out? Is this hard. is this Judge Dreadism? It's Judge Dreadism. It's uh, Bob, you uh, you jaywalked. It's uh, you know what? Maybe you don't need your legs. Let's go ahead and shoot them out, or maybe a couple years in the ISO cubes just for jaywalking. Yeah, <laughs> a couple years in the ISO cube. Oh man, how many demerits is that? Just remember the swearing on the wall to get the toilet paper. Such a good thing. All right, so just to make sure I got this right, so when injustice or corruption appears, correct it to the best of your ability means, yes, absolutely. You're to right any wrong or any injustice you see and put it right back to where it should be, but not necessarily to the benefit of what we would consider morally good. We're talking to the law, right? So back to where I told DJ to walk into the street, if 
DJ walks in the street and it's jaywalking. They're actually running out to punish DJ, not me. DJ chose to break the law. That's the injustice. Not necessarily that I told him. <laughs> right? That's Jack. But no, you're, you're right. But the moment DJ goes, well, Bob kind of told me to do it. Ah, well, we're both screwed. Right? Because I corrupted him to do it. He did the injustice and we're both going in the ice cubes now. How dare us? Right? Uh, be generous to the worthy, defend the weak, and instruct the young and errant. That's self-explanatory. When the wicked will not listen to reason, straighten them as you <laughs> straighten them as you were once straight. Now this is this is so jacked. So when the wicked will not listen to reason, <laughs> they're saying straighten. They mean torment. They mean torture. They went to hell. They went. They went they to hell. Went, they went You're to right. hell. Right. So. They got like a little chamber somewhere. They're like, the, what, I can't even imagine the hell of boiling oil, oil comes to mind. And it's like, you know, you can, uh, it's not even you can. It's they don't even give an option because you messed up. Guess where you go. Right. And then, you know what's worse about that, Bob? It's think about it, right? Whereas you mess up to a devil tiger, the devil tiger goes like, well, it's time to teach you a lesson and there's going to be exquisite tortures, right? Whereas, you deal with the interrogation of someone who is a resplendent crane. And, um, well, it's for your own good. <laughs> Not because he gets anything out of it, right? Not because he's getting anything out of it, but because it's for your own good. Man, it's the parent you never wanted, right? Exactly. You will learn by the numbers, and he or she will teach you. It's uh, defend the ghost of your family. And protect your living relations. Do not let them see you, however. You have become a disgrace to their honor. This is one of the most passionate tenets I've seen that is heartbreaking. But cool. I really do enjoy this. Uh, Defend the ghosts of your family can mean a lot of things, depending on the character, in my opinion. Right? So, my, my whole entire family could have died. And that they're gone. But when they were alive, I enjoyed that family unit. And they provided a good memory for me. Accordingly, I find that anyone who lives up to this ideal, I still defend them, but I do it from afar and they would never know I was there. Right? Because it's ghost of my family still, because it haunts me. And that feeling I can never have. But I can't let these people see me uh, because I can't taint it. Because I'm already tainted. Right? I disgrace their honor by being what I am. That's a very deep... It's, it's deep. I, I can't put any any better. There's There's multiple ways I feel that you could see this. Right, because if you have an actual family, duh. Right, it's uh, it's 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 a way of going into it. But uh, do you have another, maybe perhaps different way of looking at it? It's about the same because you are also ancestors to your family as well. So you're doing your obligation to them. This is where the the way of obligation kind of comes through and once again solidifies that mortals are part of your life. You're not exempt from having to interact with them on such a level. And here's where Western kindred would. Yep, my bad. Um, and here's where you're going to see that the fivefold way kind of finds its way here too, right? The grand principle here in number eight is the same as, well, not the same, but very similar to how even the double tigers have it. Maintain your dignity, honor, and composure. You're an example of what the damned can become. Interesting, right? They believe they have an ideal that makes them the perfect equation. The double tigers do too. And they have a very different way of looking, but the face seems almost the same, Right. And that's uh that that's cool to me. It's a way to it's a way to dip and, and know it. So I know I should be terrified of the devil tigers, obviously, but I should definitely look over my shoulder about a resplendent plane. Plane, brain, I meant, sorry. 
But the Song of Shadows, another Dharma, and, and they focus in yet another virtue, DJ. What, what do we got here? With the Songs of Shadow, um, otherwise known as the Boneflowers, they follow the virtue of yin, which is the negative energy. Not as in bad energy, it's just the negative side of energy, primarily dealing with the spirit world. Um, because of it, they are also very well attuned to things lost and forgotten. Um, a lot of historical things, artifacts, relics, things that make you look into the past and remove yourself from this particular world to be able to see um, what you also belong to. It's one-sided aspect, but two-sided coin in which they find themselves responsible for. They also have strong similarities to a lot in the world of darkness. Um, I, I read these guys and I heard, I saw Giovanni, I saw Uptena. Uh, they marked me as glass walkers. Why? Um, because they're aware of their immortalities. Kwaijin share a thirst for discovery. Uh, they have uh, from libraries to mass media, they gather stories about the living world, keeping up with the times, and, and by doing so, learn about the spirits that came before and collect their memories and information about them. A very healthy want of knowledge to get insights further into how these beings work, almost like a sense of control. Now, their curiosity is only strengthened by their death, and then them coming back, I should say, the second breath specifically. And, and it's, it's wild to me, right? Because they come back wanting to learn not only more, but there's like a hunger to consume. They talk about they're coming back to do far more than just read a book about a group of people. And there seem as sort of the, the cold fish of it. Interesting how that can be. Because to me, what I just described to you, if somebody's incredibly passionate about something and learning it and coming back, dying didn't help and they come back hungering for even more knowledge and to get more in depth and how that might look to what end, right? This brings them into uh, the company of uh, your Lord Keepers, right? For the Kwai Jin. And uh, these are the people who are going to study those spiritual pathways and inroads. Now, much, much like you said, not coming over the top of it, just highlighting those similarities to help people understand where, what niche the, they might fit. But where's the difference going to lie? Right in the tenants, right? They, um, they bathe in the breath of the ebon dragon, but hold fast to the Scarlet Queen's teardrop. I was, okay. Right? You need a guide for that. You can't just, <laughs> you can't just spring that tenant on someone, right? Did I get this out of a fortune? What am I doing? What am I doing here? DJ, help me. When you breathe, when you bathe in the breath of the Ebon Dragon, you are diving deep into that yin world that we were speaking about to, to go beyond and, and be that spirit. But you must also not forget that you are part living as well. Um, that is why you hold fast to the Scarlet Queen's teardrop. Um, to forget that means that it's, I hate to use the term, it's like chasing the dragon. You don't want to take drugs to the point of OD, folks. <laughs> this is this is that. This is pretty much like you don't go so far down the route of forgetting who you are that you just become a spirit yourself. Uh, you are a balance of two things, or at least should be. And this is where the first line is very important. I, it's well said. I almost want to just let's stop there. But there's more. Behold the pillar of the family and safeguard it against vandals and thieves. All right. That's pretty straightforward. I don't see your problem there, right? Um, kiss the spirits in their, in their houses and the ghosts in their shrouds. Both are lonely and adore the healing touch. Did you just tell me to go around and commit necrophilia? What are we talking about? Bob, they need bodies to be necrophilias. These are ghosts. This is a different thing altogether. Or we'll find out what that means later. But, um, going to this particular tenant, remember that we were speaking about even ancestors must be respected. Not many people end up doing that, especially in the fifth age, including mortals. 
they tend to the spirits. This is their garden. These are their people. As they start to move around, then they will be the ones to pay respect to such spirits. Not so much in the sense of them groveling or at least, you know, kissing up to them as much as it is. They will give them just as much um, respect as is due. Okay, so more or less honoring the dead. Right? That's what this is saying. Um, just put it very, very flowery. Gather what you can from falling leaves of knowledge. Again, the falling leaves of knowledge. Huh. When I hear this, I feel that they're saying that we're going to go to the very dark place to get the knowledge we seek, no matter what. Right? Because whenever I've heard of knowledge reference, it's like an enlightenment, right? That's a good thing. It's a positive thing. It would be the knowledge tree, right? We're going to go to the knowledge tree and learn some stuff. Maybe, maybe not bite of the apple. Someone already did that for us. Maybe I do bite of the apple. Who knows? But that's still a good thing. But when I hear the falling leaves of knowledge, I think of, of the knowledge lost, the knowledge that's no more, or that is, that is forgotten, that is hidden, that is occluded, the occult. What do you think? I see just a little bit of a difference there in, in only terms of perception. Why? Because you're right. The tree. But what does it mean when the falling leaf? There's a car accident that's happening in front of you. This person's life is about to end. What do you do with that information? How much can you glean from it? So you take any moment that's presented to you as it is presented and you savor it or you glean as much as possible from it. This could be anything, anything, anything at all. And what they mean by falling leaf is like once it touches the ground, that moment's gone. So be there to capture that moment. Be there to capture that knowledge wherever it may come from. Uh, bravo, sir. I was speechless. Listen to that. Um, press the truth like fine paper and ink. I may rephrase that. Press the truth like fine paper and ink it with the visions you have seen. So this here is um, record it, know the truth, see it for what it is, and uh, basically don't. Uh, it's clearly studying it, right? Because when you do ink to paper and you're going to take an impression of it or what have you, you're trying to capture it to study it for knowledge, and that's clearly what that's that's saying. Um, give freely of your knowledge, but wrap it up like a precious gift. Again, that's pretty straightforward, uh, but look beyond the obvious and discern a deeper meaning. That's what this, these tenants are written as. With six as well, Bob, think about it, right? Give freely of your knowledge, but wrap it up as a precious gift. What is not to say that the knowledge that you give is duplicitous and it's up to the person to interpret what type of knowledge you're kind of handing off to them? Certainly. Certainly. I agree with that. And then they could, they could literally be so devious about it. Their precious gift could be a really, really horrible interaction that you have to go through, right? What if, you know, you had the option of going like, well... I've only got enough money to, you know, I, I have this paycheck. I'm taking care of my grandma. She's in the hospital and it's, you know, it's all I got. And I work week to week, month to month, just to be able to keep her on life support. And then my parents died and someone's got to pay for their funeral. Well, there's some knowledge to be gleaned there. What do you pay for? What, what type of interaction do you have to go through? And as that information is being given to you by someone who is a bone flower, they're trying to teach you something there. So that might be something to watch out for when dealing with you. I like it. Console the grieving and remind them to respect the dead. This goes in with the other tenants, in my opinion. Right? I mean, it naturally unfolds in, and it's a higher one, but to what degree? I, uh, I feel it's almost where we're stepping into the weeds of too philosophical. Right? Console the grieving. Okay, yeah, I do that. And remind them to respect the dead. Why isn't that the first one? That's the one question I have. That seems to be the most simplistic of all of them, and that's rated high up there. The reason why is... You're not wrong, right? Because you'd figure that this is this is under the assumption that 
if this was the first one, it's under the assumption that the person who's particularly following this path is compassionate in any way, shape, or form. There's a certain level of compassion that's missing from them. And the reason why bathe in the breath of them and dragon and hold fast is because you have to ground them. If they're not grounded at this, they're not going to anticipate being able to, to put the other tenants into place, which is another reason why their weakness is very unique. It's not unique, I should say, but it, it just speaks so very simply about it, which is they are cold. They're cold and dispassionate. Um, they, they start sounding like white as corpses, skin stretched across the bones that make them seem fragile, almost girlish. The winds of death whisk their voices away and they speak in the eunuch's whisper and sometimes aberrant in a beautiful bone flower's face and faraway gaze that she never seemed to care about anything that happens. And it almost seems like the songs drown out mortal concerns. And to, and to this end, we say, obviously. There are people who have decried uh, a lot of, uh, of Kindred of the East when it, when it rolled out as being a comparison for multiple clans in one. And to, to an Eastern feel. Yes. Yes, this, this screams it, right? But they're not just. It's flavors of it. So in here, they're talking about almost like a Cappadocian flock. That's, that's what it is. Like a, like a demeanor. Like you, would, you, know, you could see where ideas compound to make something different from the whole. Again, this is all about perception, though, and how you enjoy it. And there's definite romantic pieces that they strike in here to make it seem more than it is. I just feel that people have to do that because I had to. I had to pump brakes, reread these, and look at it and see how I might portray this. This isn't about they either hit the mark and failed or they got it and slam dunk and it's brand new and they're, oh my God, everybody's talking about it. It's this is fun. Let's have fun with it. See what I'm saying? It's something to keep in mind. Similar yet different. I'm um, going on though. We have the path of a thousand whispers. This is a. Uh, I don't know, DJ. I'm gonna let you still take the take the helmer to go and keep it where it is. Uh, these people are a little interesting to me. Uh, but uh, give me your interpretation. What what are the what is the path of a thousand whispers dharma? So they espouse the virtue of balance. Uh, what that dharma follows is the fact that. I'm just going to read this one segment that sounds amazing. Observe the humble centipede. Unlike the cricket, he does not jump. Unlike the wasp, he cannot fly. Instead, he trundles along a hundred legs, each connected with a segmented body. Each segment moves harmoniously, yet contains its own set of legs, its own shell, and in some way, its own heart. What they espouse is, in terms of that balance is knowing that you can't just gain an experience one time around. Everything is its own thing. And as we were mentioning before with the bone flowers, like as that falling leaf falls down it's that one moment in life this is the path of that one moment in life forever and a day it could literally be a day's worth of a life it could be a hundred years worth of a life etc but they go in pursuit of making sure that every single time they take an identity for themselves they live it to the fullest before recognizing when it's time to let go to move on to the next and it's such a foreign idea there bob before we even get to the tenets how do you feel about that just that thought alone I gotta tell you, this uh, the Dharma's remind me of werewolf auspices. Strongly. Right? The devil tiger rang out to me what an Arun might think. In, in a lot of ways, right? I'm looking at these guys. Well, the, the previous, the, uh, excuse me, the shadow. Songs of Shadow remind me of Theurges. Right? This seems to be the feel of it. Uh, the resplendent claim, uh, uh, the resplendent, the, I can't say that. I don't know why. The resplendent <laughs> the crane. Um, they bring philodox. Right, something that would do the judge. These guys are like Ragabash to me. It's just it, they just are to me. I mean, they they seem strange, yet provocative. They use riddles and pursuit of things. They get you to think. They're trying to get you to see a truth, um, even if it's just their truth, or maybe it's just their amusement. 
And that's that's what they remind me of quite a bit. And because of it, I could relate to them. It's easy for me to see it. Again, it's a different lens, but I feel that this is the same wheelhouse. I could see it. We could see a lot of truth in that. And that actually brings us to our tenets, which is the first one. Live a thousand lifetimes. Each one is different from the last. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot of lifetimes to be living out there. It's Well, I mean, a thousand lifetimes could be, you could do it uh, simplistic in that I wanted to be a cab driver, so I was for, for a week. I wanted to feel what it's like to be a cook and whatever. And I'm why am I doing all this in a neighborhood? Might be because I am the Kwaijin that lives in that neighborhood. And I want to know everybody intimately, even though I know none of them. I walked in their shoes. I lived their life to understand better what they are and to learn something from it. And uh, that's it's an interesting con- concept to, uh, to that end. Um, but learn what you can from each life. This is kind of what I was getting into, right? With the first one, I feel this is automatic. Why would you be living different lifetimes? Clearly, it's to learn something, the pursuit of something. Right? Uh, change as much as possible between breaths. What are they driving towards? Like, what do you feel these tenants are just gearing um, you toward? It's gearing you towards understanding that you are a better creature than you started off as. This is also this is also allegorical to you being a Chimei and you now moving to Disciple and you going up the ladder as well. So... It, it's all connected, folks. This is where harmony kind of comes in. It just does in a very way. And what it means as well, when it says change as much as possible between breaths, this could also mean anything between you going from one radical extreme to another. It could also mean um, that as you pursue your grand goal, whatever you had used previously as your building block towards that one grand goal, this next lifetime is going to get you closer towards it. Now, let me point out why these beings are demons, that they come from hell, and you shouldn't forget it. Tenet four is the cruelest fate I can I can see. It says if you grow close too close to something, kill it. It will only hinder you. And that is where, ouch, right? We tell you to live a thousand lifetimes. We tell you to learn from each life as you can. Change as much as possible between breaths. But the moment you get attached, clip it and move on. Kill it specifically is what it says. And we'll just put five in with four where it says turn your back on each life as you leave it no remorse in it you were used for as much as i chose to dance in your shoes and now that it's done and it's gone i move on what if i were your husband what if you messed up and made me love you and that's how i'm gonna rationalize it you made me love you you are hindering my pursuit well i must kill you now that way i'm divorced from you forever and then i will forget about it because that's what's asked of me it's not my fault it's your fault how messed up, right? That's, oh, okay, that's, oh, all right, I guess it, it is what it is, you know? Um, but just to go to the last two, well, I guess we'll just round them all out. Give when generosity is needed, take when theft is required. Basically, do what you need to in all things, right? That's what it's saying, to be open to it. But pry open the eyes of the sightless and make the mute defend their wordless state. What the hell are you talking about? And, uh- well, we also have that other sentence that goes along with it. All beings must confront their choices, so question them as you pass. So, how we espouse this, we talk that Kuei Jin have a purpose in life. They bake this into their tenet, but it doesn't apply to, you might not think it applies to mortal. Folks, we told you, they also deal with mortals, and if the rules apply to them, it's going to apply to mortals as well. This is that scene, this is almost like that scene in, in No Country for Old Men, where it's like, this quarter got here, make your choice, live with it, I'm going to flip this coin. This is creepy. 
That's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> right? Right. Let's look at that a second. So to set that scene, Javier Bardem's assassin, his Sicario sitting in there, and uh, he, he comes up and he goes to pay, and the old man, for whatever reason, behind the counter, who owns the gas station, just hits him wrong. So why did it hit him wrong, though? Well, in the conversation as they go back and forth, the questions Javier Bardem asks him is that uh, you've been putting up with it your whole life. You're not living life, you're existing in life, and that's the difference. And that's what he's trying to tell him. That you can't live a life if you don't know what's at stake. You're just holding out, waiting for death to come claim you, in safety, never knowing your true purpose. Never knowing what you should have done. And why? It's because the way the guy talks about his marriage and how uh, his his wife's uh, dad inherited something about him inheriting it, but he didn't really get it. It yep, wasn't like he, he went out it. and got it. Mm-hmm. And, be- and because of that, he's been putting up with it his whole life. And the guy doesn't get it, but the guy does get it. Right? He's forcing him to see what he's done, and he's forcing him to speak as to why he did it. And then tells him your existence in a coin toss. It's a very important coin. Tells him the year, where it's from. It's a powerful scene. And when he flips that coin, every time I even see that clip now, I think of it uh, pertaining to, you could look at it in in life choices. You know, you may not think the choice of whether or not you do right now is important, but it is important to you in some capacity. Do you have the ability, the wisdom, the perception, the self-introspection to see it for what it is and the wisdom to apply it? That's the question. And this path, that right there, it's what it's asking to do, but to everybody else. It's asking you to Javier Bardem people. <laughs> how how it is. awesome is that? You're to walk around. Hell, steal it from him. Walk around with a quarter and see what happens in your Kindred these game. Right? Try, you're trying to wake people up to, hey, your life is it important or is it not? You should see it's important because I do. Because I've lived a thousand lifetimes. It's kind of what I do. I'm here now with you. Tell me why you're important. You should still be here. What are you talking about? Under the great principle. We all have a place. What's yours? Can you speak it to me? I will make you speak it to me. Or I will kill you and you will be forgotten because you're pointless. That is hard. Evil bastards have thought of this tenant. I just want you to know. That's, that's deep. This is way before No Country for Old Men. And I applaud it. I think that's an awesome angle for it. However, it is something it's- it leads directly into, I was about to say, it leads directly into uh, the Aethon, which is when something appears out of balance, correct it if you cannot destroy it. Ooh, so good. So good. But then these guys' weakness is that their moderation is hellishly hard to practice, especially if you're a vampire. Despite the meditations and broken, uh, broken mass, I think they use uh, the four-way pull between yin, yang, hun, po, all this stuff, well, it's hard to do. Um, to hold true to their way, many whispers uh, look to the earth. That earth appears solid, yet it melts away as mud, swirls in the sandstorms and hardens in the rock. Sometimes it splits open and swallows its surroundings. It's, it never simply lies still. To be truly balanced, one must occasionally go to extremes. This is what it's telling you. It sets you up to understand these guys are never one way. They're, ne- they're never in the middle. Right? They're trying to do this balance, but they get often thrown side to side. How, that has to be a hell of a ride, the role play. It is. And chances are, this is probably going to be one, like, the, if I was to interpret the weakness, this is probably one of the, the dharmas, because we've spoken about this before. Not everyone stays under dharma for too long. Sometimes they just, they aren't meant for it. 
to ride this particular dharma, you could only imagine how many people fail out before they just, you know, concede and go to another dharma itself. And then when they succeed, the other part of the weakness is you're so good at being that ragabash, as as Bob was saying, like, how could anyone ever trust you when you're not even sure if you're getting played yourself or if they're testing you to begin with? And then it rolls into one of the most weird. I I, I say this because I never look at life. Well, then we'll just get to it. Um, the Dance of the Thrashing Dragon Dharma. The Thrashing Dragon Dharma, who goes under the virtue of Yang, which is life in and of itself, is different than what you would think when it comes to a Devil Tiger. Now, when a Devil Tiger, we're speaking about them, they act on instinct that are moving to a position to feel the pain, to feel alive. It's not to feel alive, it's to teach a lesson. The Thrashing Dragon does it because there's a cultivation in life and a respect for it. The Thrashing while at one point or another could be undulation moving and such like that, it's also the fact that there is, uh, it's not stale. It's very subtle in how it's trying to depict that. And because of it, it is cultivating that life, understanding it and being able to move along with it. It's one of the ones that are closer to mortals. Doesn't mean they're good guys. It just happens to mean that uh, they work closely with everything that does exist. Now that puts it best. The pleasure seekers are definitely what a thrashing dragon is, but all aspects of life. It talks about them taking flesh vigils and uh, forest musing, right? When I think of a flesh vigil, vigil there's only one Roman-esque bacchanal, right? That, <laughs> that I think of automatically, that they're going to live every single aspect of pleasure they possibly can, but they're also going to appreciate every living thing that is there, such as what you might find in a forest. Um, they view a bright vibrancy, right? As they talk about life itself. It's a super powerful force, and they can't sit still. It said because they're filled with it. It's everywhere. Now, they also do obviously way more than just uh, copulate. And they're big to point that out. And uh, they explore life in all its infinite. And uh, that's through uh, martial arts, tantric practices. Um, who knows? They might even get into science. It is a study of life, biology. It's a way of opening up and understanding where they might go and what direction they might take in doing that as well. But it's to the enjoyment, right? That's, that's, that's what it's there for. And in their tenets, it talks about, like, like just off the bat, attune yourself to life in all its forms. Just talked about that, right? Pretty slam dunk. What's the second one, DJ? Meditate upon passion. Do not shut them out, but experience them, learn from them, and encourage them in others. Pretty straightforward. Um, use, your power as a, uh, use your power as a farmer employs his, his thresh tools. Uh, break the stalks, gather the rice, scatter the seeds, help them grow. And use your power as a farmer employs this. This is such an interesting way of putting it. Right? It's telling you to lay the groundwork for the pleasures you're going to enjoy. Cultivate them. Help see them to fruition. And and share them with everyone, basically. Spread them around. Now, we can make a silent joke about STDs, but I think ultimately, if we mature a little past that, we're not off the mark. Right in this, it's talking about the appreciation of life. I automatically think of people, or the Thrashing Dragons is that group, that might deliberately take a front to certain practices that are done now. Do you, don't you think so? It is possible. But is it? Because when I read this, if you're looking at it, break your stalks, gather your rice, and scatter the seeds. What if you just happen to have a family that is just has some sort of genetic deficiency in them? Well, might be time to play eugenics with them. It might be time to cultivate your mortal herd to be able to provide for your woo and or the court. 
And this is why you're able to look at a Thrashing Dragon in a very, very particularly advantageous position. So the Thrashing Dragon is a point to understand because these people are tyrants of life. That's how I see it. Right? And their fourth tenant help all living things thrive. However, when something appears to be dying, consume it and send it back to the cycle. This means they're not keeping the, the those with disease, those with uh, difficulty in life. This, to me, reminds me of the, the Spartan Cliff. Child's born with a deficiency. It's not going to live to its full potential. Off the cliff it goes. Try again. Plenty of opportunity to just have back at it. And once again, in the, in the Dharma that's supposed to espouse life and you think would be the good ones, hell reveals its ugly head. Right? Still right there. Its core is there. Uh, they, they get to play God in a way. And that's, uh, that's actually a cool aspect of them. I think it's interesting. You know, half-life is an abominable state. Be as alive as you can be, which means they're espousing to be extreme in how you are. You shouldn't half anything. And that's one of them. But DJ, what about the sixth one? Guide the sun up each morning. Sleep when it is risen. Yeah. If you heard that, I'm just going to put in Bob turns. I woke up. And when I go to sleep, it it should be dark out. What the hell is it saying? Guide the sun up each morning, sleep when it is risen. When it means guide the sun up each morning, it means you are taking action. This is also allegorical. You're taking actions to make sure that the world continues to proceed in the way that it has done before, whether it is making sure nightlife is continuing. Yes, guide the sun up each morning, but what are we talking about night? No, it's like I said, everything eventually leads back up to in the morning, things will go to where they should be. You are part of day and night. And in this particular sense, um, it means make sure that you put everything in order. If you're sowing your seeds, whether it be, oh, it's so horrible that I we, we think this way, but if you're sowing your seeds to go like, you know what, maybe I do have to have that brothel kind of come up this way. Well, maybe at night I'm going to make sure that these, you know, young men and women end up going down this route. And by the time the sun comes up, meaning by the time the action has been completed, things are in motion. And once they are in motion, then you can put yourself to rest. Now you've done your portion of it and then wait for the next evening to come about for you to be able to guide the sun back up. And now here we are with me going, okay, haven't talked it through a bit. You're helping me see reason. Um, I think I know exactly what they mean. Guide the sun up each morning has everything to refer to the fact that each day when they awaken, their energy, what they are, they are supposed to be it to its fullest, right? To its absolute fullest. However, when they, they sleep, when the sun is fully risen, because they should be, well, they're dead, right? They're, they're, they're demons, they're devils. They know that. They take acknowledgement of it. But their purpose is to help life flow. Enjoy life for what it is, and energy should always be with you, but get out of its way. Right? Because they are not in it. They're not there to, they can't produce offspring like that. You know what I mean? They're not here to, well, normal offspring, old that. Um, but uh, if you follow what I'm saying, it's sort of, it's sort of an example of uh, do as I say, not as I do. That's the same thing, but whatever, whatever they get going in terms of life, they'll kind of step to the side. And that's my stab at it. That's my stab at it. The truth is, on that tenant, I would shrivel to be the ST on there. What do you guys think? Because I'm looking at DJ and I heard what he said. Sound a little confusing. Maybe it made sense to you and I'm just a little thick. But what I said, I'm a little shaky jakey on it too. And even when I read this before, I was like, I literally have a note. What? Question mark. Like, all right, I think I think I get it. (laughs) I go get past number five when I'm saying this on this if I have to hit six before seven. But seven, I do feel I understand. Laugh often and help others to see the humorous shadows. Right? It's pretty simple. 
enjoy life, laugh, help laugh at yourself, and it's no big deal. The humor is shadows. And that, and that could be just as simple as no negativity. Right? See the humor in it. Dark humor is fine. Right? Someone fails, it's cool, but this is also where this gets dangerous. They may see death as humorous, depending on what it is, right? Remember, Spartan Cliff, they like it. Things like that, right? Their humor may not be the one you're looking for, but they have it. An eight, protect the spirits. Without them, the life balance or the life dance stops. And this is where it's like, wait a second, then maybe I was right in seven. It is about the acceptance of death. And maybe the humor of shadows is a different type. Maybe it refers to that directly. Um, this is something we're deep reading, uh, especially to those who enjoy it. In other words, the Dharma books, which we will get to, uh, will shed some light on all these tenets and more. We're just giving you the rough overview to show you how deep they are, right? The Dharmas, folks, I'm going to say are the biggest draw for Kindred of the East for me. I don't know about you, uh, because it's uh, not just a quote-unquote different clan. It's also a different way of being. It's a different way of seeing. It's a different way of approaching something. It's, a, it's an RP challenge for sure. Right. This is a uh, this is interesting. And before I forget, DJ, I left this for you. What weakness does a thrashing dragon have? A thrashing dragon, uh, as could be expected, because it's just it's perfectly written on this part. Are shameless, impulsive, lusty, and violence. Most go naked or nearly so, and delight in smashing social custom. Confrontation is enlightenment to these vampires, and they go out of their way to enlighten everyone in their vicinity. As we were talking about, laugh often. But it doesn't just end with sex. The hunger stakes into a little churn into it with the philosophy. Essentially, what ends up happening is they drink so deeply that they become gluttonous in the actions that they do end up taking. Sometimes they'll take it to extremes, folks. And that's what you have to watch out for when it comes to a thrashing dragon. In fact, these thrashing dragons are most also culpable for creating Dampir. We'll get into that in a different book. However, you could only imagine that because they just don't care about anyone else outside of the experience that they're going through. This is where you start seeing issues, a certain level of selfishness. So here we have a, a very interesting thing, right? Talks about that they practice cannibalism. Absolutely. Why not? It's flesh and it's a pleasure. They're violent. You know, they're Devil Tiger's best friend. And, and they can be. Right? But Devil Tiger's about pain, not just violence. But they're, they're about pleasure and pain. Uh, but not pain for them to feel to inflict, I guess, inflict on others. Because that's violence begets violence sort of thing. But then I say beneath the revelry, however, many dragons hate themselves. In a way, their hunger is a denial of what they have become. By consuming life force, they secretly hope to undo their curse. It'll never work. They are torment incarnate in that regard. So again, we see hell, and we see that weakness, and we see how it taints everything they're about. The Yama Kings are very clever in the construction of what they do, and, and, and that's where it is. So too it is that we're going to, uh, to end this pod where it is, and that somber note, almost. I could hear it. We never said what the crane weakness was. I just caught my note here at the end. The crane weakness. You're right. The crane weakness. Well, folks, as you can imagine, um, don't upset your mom or dad. Don't try getting to a law fight with them because the crane are exactly that when it comes to it. They have no tolerance for anyone trying to break the law in any way, shape, or form. Any type of rebellion or rage or to be like, well, but mom, I got a B plus. And it's like, but I expected an A. But, but. There isn't. And that's why one of the sobriquets that Skurni uses, they are known as the shiny ice guardians, like ice cold guardians, because they just don't care. Um, they're almost crazy enough to the point that if you're Harry Potter fans, their tormentors just kind of floating around your back, just waiting for you to mess up and or correct you every time something like that happens. You don't want one of them hanging around you. What I can tell you is, folks, that we're ending here on a great note. 
I enjoy the dharmas when we finally got there. We're uh, pretty much almost done. We are final podcast for Kendrick News will be in two weeks uh, here for the main book. And then, of course, our patrons will continue to enjoy as we go through the rest of the Kindred of the East line. Um, we're going to round it out with, uh, of course, going through the Poe archetypes and talking about the disciplines. We knew that everybody would want to hear about the weird, crazy, powerful disciplines they have and what goes on with that. And we're going to get into it. We may have time for another surprise intro as well, but for the most part, we've done and we'll have done in five five hours, five deep dives, um, the book that was laid out for Kindred of the East and hopefully for you, definitely for us, dispel a lot of the mysticism and difficulty that you have or maybe misgivings in my running this game or playing something out of it. I really think, think about picking it up, in particular when we go through the disciplines uh, next time and, uh, well, and to enjoy it. I'm going to have a blast going through that. What about you, DJ? I am excited because I know our King Bros out there are going to try figuring out how to deal with these crazy equation. Trust me, you're in for a surprise. All right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, DJ, thanks again. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, folks, once again as well. Thank you, Bob. And this has been Deep Dive with 25. My pleasure, buddy. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years VTM.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.